It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. The law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life. Let's pray. Almighty God, you have opened this incredible scene before my eyes. I pray now, Lord, that you'll give me utterance. That this can be spoken by the power of your spirit to bring deliverance healing, and understanding. Lord, take the veil off our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. In Romans, the eighth chapter, the Apostle Paul begins to lay out the deep things of the Lord God of heaven, the deep things of a normal Christian life. Romans, the fifth chapter, 6th chapter, 7th chapter, outlined the process of justification by faith. It outlines the process of being converted. But when we come to the 8th chapter, he lays out for us normal Christian life. He begins, Romans 8 verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Well, I have struggled over this law of the spirit of life for some time. Each time I've read through the book of Romans, I've always stopped at that phrase and said, Lord, what is that? And he hasn't spoken to me. Last night, as I went in and was sitting before him, he had given me a number of different passages of Scripture that I'm going to share with you today. But he had not spoken to me about this particular phrase. And as I sat before him, suddenly it was as though the heavens were pulled back. He flooded into the prayer room and began to speak just like this. And he unveiled for me the law of the spirit of life. Well, immediately I had to go talk to some people. And I had to go say, do you know what the law of the spirit of life is? And I was met with looks. No, I don't. What's that? Well, haven't you read about the law of the spirit of life in the scriptures? Well, no, I've never read that phrase before. Their eyes were veiled too. In the law of the spirit of life, we have the whole secret of walking the Christian faith. And if you don't understand how this law works, you're going to be under it whether you know it or not. But if you understand the law of the spirit of life, it will bring such joy to your heart and such release to your spirit. Because you'll know what's happening. Now some of you have been struggling with sin. The Lord has even given us a graphic picture of a sewage man pumping out the sewage. Well, some of us have been experiencing that for some time. That sin getting just pumped right on up out, filled with the word of God, which washes and cleanses our mind, and that old stuff getting pumped out. 
Now, some of you have been resisting this work. You've been saying, I don't want to let go of this. I like this. But in the Lord's eye, that thing is dirty. That way of thinking, that pattern of action, it's destructive. It causes ache and sorrow in your soul. But it's something you like to lick on. It's your candy. You want me to get real specific? You make a mistake, and you say, oh, I'm never going to be able to live as a Christian. If I can't do it perfect, I might as well just give up. I tried as hard as I could, and I just can't do it. I might as well throw the whole thing out. I mean, that's like candy to you. You love to beat yourself up and feel bad when you don't do it right. It's as though I should know better. I should be able to do it better. That's your candy. You go to that like a piece of Godiva. As soon as you make a mistake, you know you're then free to go and sin as much as you want because you're such a bad person, you might as well just go ahead and live it up. I'm not going to just stop with one piece of Godiva. Now I'm going to eat the whole box. And it brings sickness into your body and into your soul because you don't understand the law of the spirit of life. So let me outline for you what the Holy Spirit began to teach me about the law of the spirit of life. Lord, help me to... Help me to express this according to your will. Thank you, Lord. Take the blinders from our eyes that we could see and understand this. Thank you, Lord. A farmer has a grain of corn. Now he can take that grain of corn and he can feed it to the cattle. And when the cow eats it, the grain of corn is gone. He can take this grain of corn, he can grind it up, and he can make cornmeal out of it. And when it's eaten, it's gone. He can take this grain, he can crush it, he can make it worthless. He can throw it on the ground, and it'll be trampled into the mud. Or he can take this grain, he can dig a hole, and he can plant it in the soil. Now, what's going to come up out of that soil? Is a grain of corn going to come up out of that soil? No, a whole stalk of corn is going to come up out of that hole. Wait a minute. You mean if I plant a grain of wheat, a wheat seed won't grow up out of it? If I plant a watermelon seed, you mean a watermelon's not going to sprout up out of the ground? No, the law of the spirit of life says that when you plant a seed in the ground, that seed will die and a new body will rise up out of that. And it will not be the seed that you planted. It won't look like the seed you planted. It won't taste like the seed you planted. It will be something totally different than what you planted. But that thing which you have planted will now produce many seeds and much food. So I can choose to eat that one little grain of corn and grind it in my teeth and then it's gone. The law of the spirit of life says that if I will go plant that grain of corn, not a grain of corn that will come up, a corn stalk will rise up out of that ground. And it will look different 
and it will be different, but it will produce many seeds. It'll have much fruit. Now, Paul is using this example, and I want you to stay right there in Romans 8. Mark that. We're going to come back. But I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to begin in the 15th chapter. Verse 33. Do not be misled. Well, what are we not to be misled by? Look at the verse just prior. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. In other words, if this body is a seed, and I say to you, I don't believe in the law of the spirit of life. Instead, I'm going to eat and drink and be merry then that seed, which is this body, will be cast aside and will be destroyed and will be utterly worthless. But if I will take this seed, which is this body, and I will plant it, then something very different is going to grow up out of that soil. Watch, this is what Paul says. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. He's saying, you don't understand the law of the spirit of life. You're ignorant. That's why you're sinning. He's saying, if you'll learn this law of the spirit of life, you'll stop sinning. Watch now as he walks us through this. I say this to your shame. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? In other words... Here's a person who has not given themselves over for planting yet. And they're saying, okay, I'll consider being planted. But tell me what's going to come up. Am I going to go through all of this rigmarole, all this process, and then the same old Ray Greenlee's going to come up? If the same old Ray Greenlee's going to come up out of that soil, forget it. I'm going to go eat and drink and be merry. I'm not interested in the same old Ray Greenlee coming up. I want to know, if I plant this body, what is going to come up in its place? That's a fair question, is it not? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined And each kind of seed he gives its own body. In other words, if we plant the seed, a body is going to come up out of that planting. Now, what I'm going to show you as we walk through this, I want you to watch for it now. There is the planting of the seed of my spirit. And there is the planting of the seed of my body. The planting of the seed of my spirit happens when I give myself to Jesus Christ. The planting of my body happens at the second coming of Jesus. Now watch. Verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. 
the body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. So now we have a descriptor for Jesus Christ. He is a life-giving spirit. And we're told in John, the fifth chapter, that he gives life to whom he chooses to give it. He makes the determination. So now I want you to see there is a physical body and there is the planting of the physical body and the result will be a spiritual body that will arise. That's in the physical. But there is also the planting of my spirit now. And with the planting of my spirit now, there will be a spirit man that will arise. And this is called in scripture, the sanctified man. The man made holy. The man who is just before God by the blood of Jesus. Now watch, let's walk through this. Verse 46, the spiritual did not come first, but the natural And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as it is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. So he's saying, look, we all came out of the natural. We're all flesh. There came a man from heaven who took on this flesh, but he was of heaven. He was a spirit man. Now, what I want you to see is that Jesus, as he walked the face of the earth, did not have a spiritual body. He had the same body we have. But after his resurrection, he had a spiritual body that was able to walk through a wall. He was changed, and he had the body that will come after the resurrection for all of us. But what I'm most interested in is that Jesus, as he walked among us, had a spirit that was from heaven. His body was still of the flesh, but his spirit was of heaven. And he's saying here that if we are of the heavenly body, then we will also have that heavenly spirit. Now follow me. Let's walk through this slowly and carefully, and it will begin to dawn in your heart. Verse 45, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being or a living soul. What is a soul? A soul is made up of the breath of God and a body. You don't have a soul without a breath of God And without a body. Nowhere in scripture do you find a soul floating around over the cornfield. It's not there. 
always a living soul has the breath of God and a body. Not necessarily a physical body. Because Jesus, after the resurrection, was a living soul. He had the breath of God in him and he had a spirit body. Now watch. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. See, what I want you to see today is that all of us have lived almost our whole life. No, we have lived our whole life in this physical body. And what God has called us to is a walk of faith that looks ahead to the spirit body. And that's the body Jesus was given after the resurrection. Now, as we're waiting before God in this flesh body, he is asking us by faith to step into a heavenly being. He's asking us by faith to step into being a spirit man. So that I'm a flesh man in my body, but in my spirit, I'm a spirit man. I'm a heavenly man. I'm a man transformed and inhabited by the spirit of the living God. Now we think because we walk in a physical body, we have to stay in the physical spirit. The spirit of flesh, which is darkness and decay and corruption. And he's asking us to step out of that body of the flesh in the spirit realm. Now, Stay with me. This is deep water. This is for the giraffes today. And I'm praying you're all giraffes because if you get this, it's so simple. The lights will go on. And you'll make a transition that you'll never go back to. The old spirit way of living in the flesh. Now watch. Verse 17 The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man. All of us bear the likeness of the earthly man. He's saying, just as surely as you have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Now I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, for the perishable will must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. 
when the perishable has clothed, has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Wait a minute. I remember, keep your finger there. I remember something we were just talking about in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. Let's begin again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, wait a minute. In Corinthians, it said, it said, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, there is a law of sin and death, and we have all been under it. But there is another law, the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful men to be a sin offering. Now, wait a minute. If I read that correctly, you read it and you tell me. If I read that correctly, the law is weakened by sinful nature. Therefore, we don't have the victory over sin. And it holds us captive. Now, some of you have been trying with the sinful nature to gain the victory over your sin. And you can't do it. And you're all discouraged and you're saying, I can't live a righteous life. I can't gain the victory. I've tried as hard as I can try. Every time I try to turn aside from that music, it leaps back into my soul. Every time I turn aside from that darkness, it just comes chasing after me. Every time I leave that depression behind, it comes chasing after me. It says, because your nature has been weakened by sin, you are not able to live according to the law. So there's a transition that has to be made from this sinful nature weakened by the law, under the law of the spirit of life, you have to make a transition now over to a spirit man. And when you make the transition into the spirit man, you will be like Jesus and you'll no longer walk in defeat. You will have the victory of Jesus Christ in your life and you will be of the spirit of Jesus. Now watch with me. Romans, the eighth chapter. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Now let me tell you the bad news. The bad news is that when Jesus Christ came, 
He came as a man. He was fully man and fully God. And the accusation against God was that no one could live a holy life. That God was unjust and unfair. Jesus came not weakened by the sinful nature. Let's be clear on this. Jesus came not weakened by the sinful nature. He came as Adam came before he sinned. He did not come captive to sin. But he came in a body weakened by 6,000 years, almost 4,000 years, of sin. The body, the flesh, was weak. But his spirit was not weak. He walked in the spirit of heaven. He was a heavenly man. He was devoted to his father. He learned obedience through suffering. And as he suffered, he quickly moved into that obedience rather than sinning. Jesus never sinned. Now, some of you say to me, Pastor, it's impossible. Jesus came just like we are. No, he didn't. Had he come like we are, he would have committed sin before the age of accountability. He would have been given to darkness. He would have been captive. He would have been born in iniquity. Jesus was not born in iniquity. He was born righteous in his spirit. His body was the weak body of the flesh, but in the spirit he was a heavenly man. Jesus did not have to be converted. Jesus did not have to be born again. He already came righteous in his spirit. So now we have Jesus coming righteous in his spirit. And like the first Adam, there is a great demonic attack against him, even as there was against Adam and Eve, in an attempt to get Jesus to sin against the Father. And he did not sin against the Father. And when he did not sin, he condemned sin in sinful man. Now there was absolutely no excuse for our sin. And yet, as we are now, walking in the sinful flesh, we're saying, I've tried the best I can and I can't live a righteous life. You can't because the sinful nature has made it impossible for you to go up against the law. It's made it impossible for you to live a righteous life. So what do we do? The law of the spirit of life says we have to be planted. Our spirit man has to be planted. Our whole life has to be given over now to Jesus Christ. We have to be planted. I'll tell you what we're saying. We're saying, look, Jesus, I have the world in this hand. And I have your hand here. Now I'd like to get through this deal without dying. So Jesus, would you just keep pulling on me? And I'll even weep because it hurts so hard you're pulling on me. But keep pulling on me. Pull me through, Jesus. Just keep ripping at me. And Jesus is saying, no. You're going to have to go ahead and be planted. Well, Jesus, I don't want to get planted. It's dark. I'm afraid. And what would happen to me if I ever really let go of everything? I'd die. And Jesus says, yes, that's right. Go ahead and die. Go ahead and die. Let it go. 
Let your agenda go. Let your dreams go. Let your desires go. Let your bitterness go. Let your anger go. Let your intellect go. Let it go. You plant your spirit as a seed. Now, what comes up out of the soil? A new spirit man filled with power and authority. No longer subject to the whims of the devil. Victory in Jesus. We sing this song, don't we? Victory in Jesus. Victory is mine. Is victory yours? Now, come on, be honest. Are you singing about it and dreaming about it and hoping that someday you'll be able to get your act together well enough that you can do it all? You're not going to ever get it together. You're never going to do it well enough. Jesus, when he died on the cross, condemned the sinful flesh. Now a new spirit man has to come up. And ladies, I'm saying spirit man because in the scriptures, Paul says there's neither male nor female. We are all sons before God. If you were not considered a son before God, you could not have salvation because salvation is a birthright. And the women couldn't get the birthright. Now watch. Let's go deeper. Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. So there is a way that God is calling us to live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Let's, Let's see what he says to this issue. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And anyone, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. In other words, we've come to a place where he says, look, are you willing to cross over the bar? All of us have had some time to think about what will it be like when I die? I've wondered, will I die like John Wesley, laying on my bed, slowly drifting in and out of consciousness, coming to consciousness and saying, glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus, his angels are coming for me, awakening and saying to my daughters and to my family, get ready, I want to see you in heaven. That's how Wesley died. Or will I die like Reese Howells, having a heart attack, laying in bed, enduring a night of great pain, and finally, breathing his last, he was gone. Or will I die like Wigglesworth, standing in the pulpit, preaching, full bore, suddenly drops dead, collapses at the pulpit, and he's gone. 
I'd prefer the latter. How will you die? What will happen to your family when you die? Have you made arrangements to take care of your family when you're gone? Charles Wesley said, if I have more than, I think it was six shillings in my pocket when I die, you'll know that I was a thief and a robber. He just kept passing it on. He made preparation for his family because he made certain that the blessing of God was resting on his family and that they could trust him for all provision. And indeed, that's what happened. What provision have you made for your family? What's your legacy when this body dies? What will you leave behind you for them? Now, recognize in the same way as you die as a spirit man, you plant yourself and you give all that is of yours into the hand of Jesus. What provision have you made for your family? Because what's going to rise up out of the ground is not going to be the same old Kevin. What's going to rise up out of the ground is not going to be the same old Pastor Ray. What comes up out of the ground is a new spirit man that walks in obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. No longer double-minded, no longer playing games. Straight up recognizing this is about going to heaven. I'm on my way. I'm sold out. I tell everybody everywhere I'm going to heaven. That's all I care about. So the topic of my conversation is always going to be Jesus. I don't have time to talk about foolishness. I'm going to heaven. He's all I'm interested in. He's ravished my heart. I love him. He loves me. I've been born in the spirit in his likeness. Is that true of your life today? Or do you have things of the flesh that are still clinging to you? Are you still serving masters other than Jesus? Like the dear brother who said to me, I've stepped into the fire. I've surrendered everything to Jesus. Well, will I see you Thursday night in the house of the Lord? Pastor, I I have to work. You have to work. Did Jesus tell you to work? No. Well, who told you to work? My boss. Oh, so you have more than one master. So on your spare time, Jesus is your master. And on your work time, your boss is the master. Which master provides you with food? Which master provides you with your money? Does Jesus or does your boss at work? If your boss at work provides you with the money, then go worship him. If Jesus provides, then worship him. Render under Caesar what is Caesar's, under God what is God's. Do you have two masters? Or do you follow Jesus Christ? I ask you today, do you serve two gods? Jesus is your part-time God. You carry him around in your pocket like a rabbit foot for good, good luck. Or maybe he's a lap dog for you. But when things get real, when we're going to deal with money, let's go to the world. Let's worship the God who gives us the things that we need for our physical bodies. Is that how you walk? Or do you walk in the Spirit? You see, you don't flip in and out of the Spirit. We don't need to have an hour and a half of praise and worship to try to get you to step into the Spirit. You either walk in the Spirit into this place or you're never going to walk in the Spirit. When you leave this place, you don't leave the Spirit. He doesn't leave you. 
You walk in the Spirit. You're a new man. You have grown up out of the soil of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now you're a new man. The old is gone. The new has come. You're a new creature in Christ. Here I am. I'm the flesh man. I die. And I'm raised up in the Spirit. Now, how much time do you think the new spirit man is going to spend going back and digging up that old corpse and beating on it because it didn't measure up to his expectation? After four days, it's going to stink. And you can never breathe life back into that old corpse. So some people are walking around carrying their dead corpse everywhere they go, saying, hey, why don't you just drop the dead thing? Just drop him. You don't need to wear yourself out carrying the dead corpse around. Walk in the spirit of the living God. You have been born again by the spirit. You've been born again by the blood of Jesus. Lay down all of those other things. Walk in the spirit. Lay aside bitterness and anger. Lay aside the desires of the flesh. Don't pick up that old dead stinking thing again. Walk in the victory of Jesus. Trust him. He's enough. Now follow with me. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now what I want you to see is that there are two ways for you to keep your mortal body alive. One is to go to the world. Worship the gods of the world, and they will give you the money. And then you can buy your food, and you can keep this mortal body alive. You can do whatever it takes to keep this mortal body alive, and your family alive, and everybody walks in the flesh, and on your spare time, you might give your thought to how you could be a better person, a little discipline now and then, and you can give yourself to some self-improvement. You can go to church and get some inspiration to help you get the flesh going better. Or you can be buried, and a new spirit man rises up. And now as the new spirit man rises up, the Holy Spirit takes residence in this old body of flesh, beat up, broken. And now do I look to the spirit of the living God to quicken this body of flesh? Because the promise here is that the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will come and give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who lives in you. So I now have a right, if I have planted my body, if I have planted my spirit, and I've been resurrected as a new creature in Jesus Christ, I have a right now to look to Jesus and say, would you quicken my mortal body? That's why I could pray for you who are sick today with confidence and with courage asking that the spirit of the living God would come into you and quicken your mortal bodies. By his stripes, we were healed. Now do you understand that everything about the life of this mortal tent that I walk in is given into the hand of Jesus Christ? I am dependent upon him for my breath, for the continuing beat of my heart. I'm dependent upon him for nourishment, I'm dependent upon him for housing, for transportation. I am totally now dependent upon the spirit of the living God to take care of my every need. You see, if you're going to be over here and you're going to be in the flesh and you just want to dress the flesh up in some nice church stuff, you can do that. But 
Know who your master is. Jesus is your part-time God. I don't want Jesus to be my part-time God. I want him to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want him to have the supremacy. And I now wait upon him to quicken me and to provide for me and to carry me. Now, do you understand all of this is about the law of the spirit of life? The law of the spirit of life says that because Jesus came and lived a perfect life, this man of sin has no longer any excuse. It is condemned to death. When I plant that body, when I plant it in the spirit, a new person comes up who has victory in Jesus. I tell you, I want a whole congregation of people who have prayed through to victory in Jesus Christ. Who have done the necessary homework. Who have looked at themselves in the mirror and said, I want Jesus. He's the flame of my heart. I want Jesus. I no longer want this old body. I'm not going to drag it around anymore. I've got to have a body that is quickened by the Spirit. Now let's go further. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, verse 12. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Some of you think you have an obligation to your sinful nature. Some of you think, okay, I've got some obligations out here I've got to take care of. I owe my spiritual, I owe my physical body. I owe the man of the flesh. I've invested too much in trying to dress him up and make him pretty. I've invested too much in my college, in my graduate school. I've invested too much in training. I've invested too much in effort. I've done everything I could do. This body has been abused, and I feel pity for it. And because I feel pity for it, I can't just cut it off and let it go. Oh, I've had a miserable life. Everything's been against me. But I've persevered and done my best, and so I'll just keep trying to do my best, Pastor. You're in love with this body of flesh, and you think the hero is going to be the person who can endure the most pain. Well, the one who wins in this is not the one who endures the most pain. It's the one who's willing to plant himself and be born in the Spirit Now, I urge every one of you to begin pleading before the Lord God of heaven. Give me full birth in your spirit by the blood of Jesus. Give me full birth. Some of you are only half born. We need full birth in the spirit. With the anointing of the spirit and the power of the spirit. This one brother said to me, Okay, pastor. I'm at work. And a beautiful woman walks by and she's dressed in very scanty clothing. I'm a man. My eyes are automatically going to follow her. I'm wired that way. I said, yes, you are. That's absolutely true. You are wired that way. But Jesus, when he saw Mary of Magdala, didn't say, hey, now there's a sexy lady. No, he said, there's used merchandise. He said, there's used merchandise Merchandise that is inhabited by the demons of hell. And I'm going to save her. And I'm going to cast out of her these demon spirits. And I'm going to deliver her by grace. Now I said to this brother, what would happen at your workplace? As that woman walks by, 
if you began to say in your spirit the same things Jesus said about Mary of Magdala? What if you began to say, there's used merchandise. Jesus, look at that woman. You love that woman. Would you now come in the power of your spirit and break the darkness over her life? Would you release her? Would you bring her into your heart? Would you set her free? I said, now tell me something. Can you lust after a woman when you're praying for her? No, you can't. Do you see? I'm talking about we can leave this body of wickedness and we can step over. It's called being born again. And we can enter into the heart of Jesus and we can begin to respond to people out of the heart of Jesus instead of out of that old heart of flesh and dirt. That's a choice we get to make. That's why Paul is now saying, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Well, how do you put to death the misdeeds of the body? By the Spirit, by being born again, by entering now, by planting your body. Let me make it very specific. I release all of my money. I release my wife. I release my children. I release all that I have. I give them to Jesus. I now give to Jesus my future. I give to Jesus my past. I give to Jesus everything that I ever hoped to be or everything that I ever was. I give it into Jesus' hands. Jesus, I'm going to keep my eyes on you and I'm going to trust you and you're not going to be a part-time God. I should put it another way. You're not going to be a part-time lover. You're going to be wed to me. I'm going to be wed to you. We're going to become one. You see, when you plant this body and this spirit of sin, what comes up is something very different. What comes up is a life of victory, a life of power, a life of witness for Jesus Christ. It's not a life defeated by sin. If you're still being defeated by sin, it's because you need to go back and get planted deeper. It means you've got to go back and forsake those masters that you are bowing before. Radical amputation. Radical obedience. And what will grow in the spirit will be something totally different. Now, you'll still have this flesh body, and you'll have that until the last trumpet sounds. And then in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the spirit body will be given to you that matches your inner spirit. Now, how will I recognize you? By the spirit, I'll recognize you. Not by the flesh. I pray to God I don't look like this when I get to heaven. Some of you are beautiful and handsome. You may want to look like that. I don't want to look like this. I have a very different image in my mind. You'll know me by the Spirit. For if you live according to the sinful nature, 
you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Daddy, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now listen, if your spirit does not testify with the Holy Spirit that you are a son or daughter of the Almighty God, go into the prayer closet and stay there on your face until your spirit testifies along with the Holy Spirit that you are a son and daughter of the living God of heaven. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So I want you to see this now. Let's summarize. The law of the Spirit of life says that when I plant a seed, a seed doesn't come up. That when I plant a seed, a new plant will come forth. And that new plant will bear much fruit and many seeds. And so when I plant my spirit with Jesus Christ and am born again of the spirit, what comes up in my life is a life of victory and not of defeat. Then at a later time, the Lord God of heaven is going to give me a flesh, earthly, spirit body. In other words, Jesus could eat food. They could touch Jesus. And yet he could walk through a wall. He's going to give to me a body that reflects the spirit that has risen up in me. Now I want to tell you something. You will receive a spirit when that trumpet blows. It'll either be a spirit unto damnation or a spirit unto life. Imagine being given a spirit body that is indestructible and living in hell with that for eternity. Or being given a spirit body reflecting the spirit of Jesus Christ that brings you into the heavens for eternity. Is there anything else I need to say to you? Let go of the flesh. Be planted in the Spirit. Walk in obedience to His commands. Let go of your anger. Let go of your bitterness. Let go of your hurt feelings. Let go of of the past. Trust your spirit in the hands of Jesus Christ. Trust your mortal body in the hands of Jesus Christ. And He will quicken you according to His Spirit. The the vision of God is a body filled with radiant health, filled with power, and he's the head of that body. I ask you now to just read through again Romans 8, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Meditate on these things, and Thursday night we're going to go deeper in this same study. 
And we're going to continue in this theme until we have the final victory. We need to have men and women in this fellowship who are shouting and singing because they've gained the victory. Not long horse faces that need a Holy Spirit facelift. We need victory. Not something pasted on the outside, but something flowing. The Holy Spirit rising up and flowing out of our bellies. That's where Jesus is taking us. Now let's pray. Almighty God, would you give us understanding of these issues? Would you open the deep things concerning this law of the spirit of life? Lord, I've lived almost all of my life under the law of sin and death. Lord, I need to change and totally live under the law of the spirit of life. Lord, would you accomplish this in my life and in the life of this church? Would you bring us into victory, Jesus? I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us at nationalprayerchapel.com. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. With To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.